in James. Well, you can wave bye-bye to James. We're going to start in Mark, and we're going to do some studies in Mark. And if James was a few chapters, and Mark is many chapters, only the Lord knows. But turn with me to the first chapter of Mark. Do you love Jesus? Amen. It's good to study Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, it's all about him. And so we're going to study. You know, Mark was written to the Romans, to the Roman Christians. And it's a book of action. You'll see here immediately. And therefore, the book of action is Romans for people of action. And so it's a, it's my favorite gospel. But if you would, Mark, the first chapter, starting with verse 9. And at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John of the Jordan. And as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once, immediately, the Spirit sent him, thrust him out into the desert. And he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals and the angels attended to him. And we'll stop right there. That's our... That's our thought for tonight. Um, you know, Jesus wasn't baptized because he was a sinner. We know that. Jesus wasn't baptized because he ever did anything wrong. He was baptized to identify with sinful humanity. He was baptized to identify with us, and then we get baptized to identify with him. But, you know, Mark just makes it real quick. And Matthew expounds a little bit on it. I mean, John the Baptist was out there baptizing the Jordan. He's preaching repentance. And you remember John the Baptist's message? There's coming one after me who's mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoelaces. Amen. And then Jesus comes. And, and let's look at, we're going to look at Matthew. Go to Matthew, the third chapter. And let's look at what Matthew says about their interaction. Mark doesn't carry it, but uh, Matthew kind of shows us how um, John the Baptist, Lord, you want me to baptize you. I, I need you to baptize me. Amen. Matthew, there we go. And Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him. John said, there's something wrong here. Amen. Can you imagine that? Uh, you're the one that I'm not worthy to untie your shoelace, and you want me to baptize you? Uh, John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. One of the reasons Jesus was baptized, because he's fulfilling righteousness, he was obeying the Father's plan. Jesus always did what pleased the Father. Amen? And one of the things that he wanted, he pleased the Father, he put his seal of approval upon John's ministry. So later on, when all those religious leaders are rejecting John's message and his ministry, Jesus, under orders of the Father, had approved by submitting to it. But really, the most important thing Jesus was doing that day, he was identifying with you and me. He was identifying with the ones that he came to die for and he came to be substitute for. So we're going to recognize that. We recognize that. And then, so not only did Jesus, he was baptized, but then afterwards, he commanded that we be baptized. Amen? He, he was an example as he was baptized under John's baptism. And then he gives you and I the command that we should be baptized. We call it the believer's baptism. Amen? If you would, uh, Matthew 28. Matthew 28. 
And you'll see our one verse there. Remember at the very end, he's giving that great commission. Go to make, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. If you're saved, he wants you to be baptized. Amen? If you received him in your heart, he wants you to be baptized publicly as, as a testimony outwardly of what's happened inwardly. And again, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Make disciples, not just decisions. Make disciples, dedicated followers of all the nations. Then baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We want to notice this evening, and we'll cover what we can. Um, give me my second box up there in the PowerPoint. The baptism of Jesus. We're going to notice four things. It was a moment of decision. It was a moment of identification. It was a moment of approval, and it was a moment of equipping. All this took place when Jesus went and had John baptized him. Number one, it was a moment of decision. And this decision is ultimately leading to Calvary. Amen? It's a moment of decision. You know, for 30 years, Jesus ate in Nazareth. He was a good son. Faithfully, he had done his day's work. He had discharged all the duties of his home. He knew him within. He knew consciously that the time would come for him to go out and carry out the ministry in which he was sent. He waited for a sign because everything had to be according to the divine timetable. You know when you study your Bible, everything is according to a divine timetable. The Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent forth this on. When did Jesus said, my time has not yet come. God the Father leads us by seasons and precise timings. And Jesus knew all those 30 years He's a carpenter. He's living at home. He's carrying out. He knew the time would come when he would leave all that and press into those three years at least to Calvary and do what he was sent to do. So he waits for that sign, and John the Baptist was that sign. He was the forerunner. Remember, John was, he was the Elijah that was to come. He was the one that said, prepare you for the Lord. John was that sign, and this sign was the moment that Jesus knew he had to step out upon his task. Barclay says these words, in every life, there comes moments of decision. Moments of decision. Wow. Wow, we can preach that, can't we? You know, very big doors turn on very small hinges. Sometimes you can make decisions, or, or, or they can be dangerous things if they're the wrong ones, amen? You said, I do, and you should have said, oh, no, and you got problems, isn't that right? Amen to that, I mean... Talk about decisions. Have you made a decision to follow Christ? Have you made a decision to be a sincere Christian? What do we make decisions? He writes, Barclay writes, in every life there come moments of decision which may be accepted or rejected. To accept them is to succeed. To reject them or to shrink back is to fail. How many times God spoke in his own heart and they said, no. You can save me, Lord, but don't mess with my life. And those decisions have consequences. You know, an undivided, an undecided, an undecided life is a wasted life. You've got to live for something. You've got to stand for something. Amen? An undecided life is a wasted life. The frustrated life, it's a discontented life when there's no purpose and there's no fruit and there's no fulfillment. It's often a tragic life. The drifting life can never be a happy life. Jesus knew when John emerged that the moment of decision had come. Nazareth was peaceful. Home was sweet. But he answered the summons and the challenge of God. You know, when you and I get baptized, 
It is also a public decision, isn't it? It's a public testimony. And we're letting the world know I identify with Jesus Christ. I've received Christ and I'm serving the Lord. I'm not ashamed. That's why it's a public thing. Now, salvation took place in our heart. Can't see that. But boy, you can see this because now I'm testifying to that. A public and a personal decision. Well, most of us are familiar with, with um, Joshua when he said, choose ye this day whom you're going to serve. And I like to tag on to that. Don't just choose who you're going to serve. Choose how you're going to serve him. You all remember Mary and Martha and how, how Mary sat at Jesus' feet and Jesus said those words, she has chosen, chosen. She made a decision. She chose what is better and it won't be taken. So we have to choose. I'm going to receive Christ, but not, let's choose to follow Christ wholeheartedly. Now, not, not just to you know, be in this thing for fire insurance, but to give him our best and serve him wholeheartedly. Can you say amen to that? So number one, we see the baptism of Jesus was a, was a time or a moment of decision. And we have to also make decisions. Jesus still calls men and women, and we must choose salvation, dedication, service, sacrifice, sacrifice. Here we go. 2 Samuel 15. I just want to look at an example that I like from the Old Testament about some men that made a decision to stick with David. And I just it blesses me. So go ahead if you would. 2 Samuel 15. Because you know, friend, I, I don't want to be a fair-weathered Christian. Amen? I don't want to be, I don't like fair-weathered friends. Do you? You know, they're, they're with you when things are good or it's convenient, but when you need someone, I like people that are with me thick or thin. I am people that are loyal and trustworthy. You can count on. Don't need a whole bunch of them. Just give you a few. That's all life really needs. Isn't that true? Well, I want to be fair weather Christian. Isn't that an insult to the one that died for us and did so much for us? I want him to find a loyal follower in me, a dedicated follower, one that's committed, one that's not wishy-washy. There's a beautiful story here. David's son, Absalom. It caused rebellion and revolt against his father. He tried to overthrow the kingdom. David, you know, sometimes when you love people so much, you get blind to what's going on. He kind of got blind to the kid's rebellion. He didn't see it. You don't like to see negative things in people you love. Sometimes other people can see it, but you love them so much, you get blind to it, and that's another sermon for another day. But, um, but David was caught off guard. And he really had no other choice. They had to flee. And this is kind of where it is. And there's a group of soldiers, mercenaries, professional soldiers, that had latched on to David when he was with the Philistines. And for some reason, they had just fallen in love with David. And they had given themselves to serve David. And here comes the time when it looks like David's not going to last the night. I mean, he was taken by surprise. If it wasn't for inter intervention of God, his own son would have had him murdered. And so David releases these men from their oath. He says, listen, you're not one of us. You just latched on. Go back home. This isn't your mess. You've served faithfully through the years. You don't owe me anything. And, and the, their response, I just love their response. They're, they're fleeing. They're going into hardship. It looks like everything's against them. But they said, listen, David, we gave you our loyalty and our oath, and we're not taking it back just because things get tough. And it's a beautiful thing here. Let's look at this in verse, um, 
Verse 15, verse 15, the king's official answered him, your servants are ready to do whatever our Lord chooses. And the king set out with his entire household following him. He left 10 concubines to take care of the palace. So the king set out with all the people following him and they halted at a place some distance away. All his men marched past him. Oh, there were the Carolites, the Pelites, 600 Gittites who accompanied him from Gath. And the king said to the leader of the Gittites, why should you come along with us? Verse 19, why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You're a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You just came the other day. Today, shall I make you wander? Well, I don't even know what I'm going to go through. So just go back. Take your countrymen. May the kindness and faithfulness of God be with you. And then this, this is the reply. Attiah replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives, and as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. And David said, go ahead, march on, march on. And they marched out. That's loyalty, amen? That's devotion. That's commitment. That's on to Jesus. I'm going to serve you if hell throws the kitchen sink at me. I'm going to serve you if people leave me and lie about me. My decision for you is firm. It's complete. I want to be a loyal Christian. Not just a convenient Christian or a fair-weather Christian. So we notice one thing about Jesus. His baptism was a moment of decision. He was going to leave the comfort of home. And he was going to go follow the Father's plan, knowing that plan was leading to Calvary. That plan was leading to the place of taking on the wrath of a holy God. And he said, yes, sir. And he stood with it. And when the devil tries to tempt him and, and buy him off and give him a shortcut, no, 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 no. And every time he said no, he was saying, yes, Calvary. And in the same way, when you and I get saved, God's looking for people to mean it. Amen? Those that are loyal. Even if things go wrong, we're not backsliding. Amen? Even if things get hard, we're going to praise them in the good times, praise them in the bad. We are a loyal, dedicated, devoted people, and God's people said. Amen. Number two, not only was it a moment of decision, it was a moment of identification. He's identifying with us. Again, it gave the Father's approval of John's ministry. That was very important. It identified Jesus with the ones he came to save, lost humanity. And it's also a picture of Jesus' figurative baptism on Calvary that he talks about. But it was a moment of identification. How does our PowerPoint say it? Jesus had no sin, but he identified with us in order to be our substitute. And when we get water baptized, we're publicly identifying with him. What a beautiful thought. So again, Jesus was baptized to identify himself with sinners, with those that he came to save with those that he came to ransom and bear their sins and put his perfect righteousness on them. If you would, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, and this is a beautiful picture of that. Why did Jesus have to be baptized? He never sinned. Well, he was being baptized because he came as our substitute. He came to be our representative. He came to take our place. He's going to take our sins so we can have his salvation. He's going to take the Father's judgment so you can have the Father's peace and forgiveness. What a beautiful, what a beautiful thing. Amen? 
you know, sometimes, you know, my, my dad, sometimes he want to give me money. We got a similar bank account, the same bank, and so he has the number, and he just let me, I, I threw in a few hundred dollars for this. I threw in something, you see, um, uh, he just puts it to my account, amen? I didn't do anything for it. I mean, it's all, he just puts it to my account. In a lot of this gospel, Jesus puts to our account. We, he, he took his righteousness and put it. We didn't have any righteousness, amen? Our righteous, filthy rags. He took his right, put it to our account. Isn't that beautiful? Put it to our account. But in order to do that, he had to take my sin and my, my punishment and put it on his account. Whew. Wow. So, so let's look at this. Let's look at this. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin or to be a sin offering for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Very, very, very easily. Um, this, this, this little verse, this one little verse is kind of the, the summary of the gospel and its logic. Jesus was the, enti- the only entirely righteous one. No one else was sinless, right? Only Jesus. Jesus was the entirely righteous one. And at Calvary, he took our sin upon himself and endured the punishment that we deserve, death, separation from God. And there in this exchange that takes place, this marvelous exchange, he made it possible for us to receive his righteousness and be reconciled to God. Read a couple more. Keep, yeah, keep that verse up there. And let's just break down this verse a little bit if we can. Moment of identification. We see, he that knew no sin. Number one, we recognize that Jesus Christ was the sinless Son of God. Amen? There is no other sacrifice. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other sacrifice. There is no other one that was sinless. There is no other one that is worthy enough to make this sacrifice. So it starts out, God made him who knew no sin, who had no sin, Jesus. The only entirely... He, was, he wasn't just a martyr. Because a lot of people could, could be martyrs and be wicked men. You can die for a cause, but only Jesus the sinless lamb of God, all right? He knew no sin, um, became sin for us. It says sin for us. God the Father treated Christ as if he were a sinner, though he was not. Watch this beautiful thing that happens on Calvary. God the Father is going to treat him like he should have treated us. Then he's going to treat us like he should have treated Christ. God the Father treated Christ as if he were a sinner, though he was not. And he had him die as a substitute to pay the penalty for the sins of those who believe in him. Are you a believer? So everything Christ does, it, 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 it's sufficient for all, but it's sufficient only for those that believe. It, it's sufficient for whosoever will. There's no sin so bad, there's no life so messed up that Christ won't save you in the blood of Jesus. It's, it's sufficient for all, but it's efficient only for those that you've got to receive it. Amen? Sin for us. On the cross, Jesus didn't become a sinner, but remained holy as ever. He was treated, though, as if he were guilty of all the sins ever committed by all those who would believe. The wrath of God was exhausted on him, and the just requirements of God and his law were met for those for whom he died. Wow. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Every, the punishment that I deserved was laid on him. The punishment you deserved was laid on him. Isn't that wonderful? That's why we love Jesus so much. 
That's why we get tears in our eyes when we sing, oh, how I love Jesus, or we sing amazing grace, amen? That's why as Christians, we're not ashamed of him. That's why we praise him, and we rejoice in him. And sometimes we get overwhelmed when we think of the goodness of the Lord. And that's why it's so important that we study the cross and understand what wonderful transaction took place on Calvary. He that knew no sin became sin for us, that you and I might become the righteousness of God. I like that. The righteousness that is credited to the believer's account is the righteousness of Jesus, God's only begotten Son. As Christ was not a sinner, but was treated as if he were, so believers <laughs> who are we're sinners, we get treated as though we're righteous and perfect. Oh, we're covered in his sight. God treated Jesus as if he committed my sins, and then he treats me as if I was like Christ and always lived righteously. What a beautiful thought. What a beautiful thought. When we obey Christ's command to be baptized, we publicly identify with him, his death, burial, and resurrection. So we see Jesus, he identified with us. Amen? And now when we get saved and we get baptized, we're identifying with him. We identify with him. Again, in water baptized, but water baptism, the believer testifies that he was in Christ when Christ was judged for sin, and that he was buried with him, and now he's risen to new life in Christ, in Christ. Very quickly, Romans 6, 3 and 4. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Here again, Paul is writing to us. Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore baptized with him through baptism unto death in order that just as Christ was raised. We're, we go down like he died. We go down. We come up like he came up. In order that Jesus, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Don't mind me. I'm looking for a sheet that's the way on me. I don't know. It went somewhere. All right, we march on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Number one, the baptism of Jesus was a moment of decision. When you and I get baptized, it's a moment of decision. Amen? The baptism of Jesus was a moment of identification. When you and I get baptized, it's also a moment of identification. We're telling people that what happened to Jesus has now happened to us. We've been buried. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been born again raised to new life. We can walk in new life. Number three, it, it was a moment of God's approval. It was a moment of God's approval. Let's look at that together. It was a moment of God's approval. And the, the Father spoke, didn't he? The Father spoke. There's my scripture. Mark 1. And we see how the Father he sees the act of Jesus and he speaks and places his approval. Here we go. And a voice came from heaven, Mark 1 and 11, a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. What a beautiful thought, what a beautiful thought. It was a moment of approval. It was a moment of approval. You know, we should make an intentional effort to please the Lord. You know, Jesus said, I always do what pleases him. Jesus lived a life that wanted to honor and please God. And when we get saved, it ought to do something to our hearts. Amen? When we have the 
the, the revelation. We have an understanding of what Jesus did for us. It ought to do something in us to want to live a life that honors and pleases him. And we should make it our effort to please God. We should live a life that has an intentional effort. I want to please the Lord. When we go through situations, we ask ourselves, what would please the Lord in this situation? And we pray, Lord, let your will be done. And we put them first. And that should be, just here it was with Jesus. It was a moment of approval because, again, the Father is well pleased when his children obey him and walk with him. You got the seal of Father's approval. We all strive for this. Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and 9. 2 Corinthians 5 and 9. A moment of approval. All right, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away. We make it our goal. Isn't that interesting? You know, I remember some time ago, it was a big deal to, you know, you got, you got to write out your list and you got to, you know, your, your goals and all this. And uh, I never did see that one on there too much. Amen. They wanted to make another $5 an hour. They wanted to, you know, get a raise on the job. They wanted a bigger boat. They wanted to build a lot, a lot of people. We got to go. And it really shows us in our heart. But Paul writes, that's good. Yeah, yeah. But Paul writes, we make it our goal. We make it our effort to please him. Wow. That should be our goal, shouldn't it? Father, help me to please you today. Order my steps. Use me to bless someone else. Help me to see things through your eyes so I can respond as you'd have me to respond. Amen? And that's, uh, that should be our goal. Isn't that true? And you know what they say about goals? If you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. Isn't that right? You aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. I mean, you know, you don't just wake up and say, gee, I want to be financially secure and just, you know, figure, you know, it'll all work out in the wash. It don't work out like that, does it? No, that's how debt comes. Amen. I'm, I'm still brother, brother Phil over there teaching the, the young people about uh, money management this next couple of weeks. So um, I kind of have that on my mind. But, but things don't happen. Good things don't typically happen accidentally is what I'm saying. Am I right? Every you're here today and you've got a skill, you've got a profession, it didn't happen by accident. You had to make a plan. You had to get an education. You had to sacrifice for that. You had to take courses for that. Amen? You'd be tested for that. If you went anywhere, you had to climb the ladder, which meant being stretched and being more sacrificed. You know, the higher you go, the more responsibility you have. And, but you didn't do it accidentally, is the point. You, you had a goal. And you focused on that goal. And you gave effort to that goal. And you, you rearranged priorities for that goal. Isn't that true? If you want to go to the next level, you can't be on six bowling leagues. You know what I mean? You've you got to spend some time, uh, you know, improving. Make it our goal to please him. Jesus, we call him the pattern son. Right? We're trying to imitate him. Um, be formed and conformed into his image. And we know it's about Jesus. He sought the Father's will. Amen? He submitted to the Father's will. He found joy in doing the Father's will. And again, in, in his baptism, he received the Father's approval. Amen? And, and we should strive for the heavenly applause. We want it on that day. We want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Amen? And you know, here, here's a good thing too. 
Oh, go, go to Hebrews 11. We're going to look up the scripture there in a second. Hebrews 11. Here, here's a good thing. If you walk with God, sometimes you won't hear those applause until that day. So don't always be looking for instant gratification. That's what the world sells you on TV when they want your money. Amen? When you talk about eternal things, I mean, sometimes the Lord will bless you immediately. Uh, but a lot of these, these blessings, we won't get until that day. And I, I just love how it says in, in, in Hebrews 11, um, oh, look at verse 16. It talks about these heroes of faith, and I don't know, I don't think we're going to get to this in our, in our Hebrew study uh, on Sundays. we only got two messages left. But, but I, I love the, how this, this verse, I love this verse. Hebrews 11, verse 16 talking about the people of God that, that left the old and followed God and didn't turn back. Amen? Um, even though instead they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Woo! And that's something. I want God to say that about you. God is not ashamed to call him. Your, your, I'm your God. I'm your heavenly Father. Isn't that wonderful? I want him to speak that way about me. I don't want him to be ashamed of me. I want him to be bold. That's my son. I'm pleased with him. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He prepared for them a city. Praise the Lord. All right, one more thought. One more thought. We can finish up now. This is just our, our beginning of our study in Mark. And Jesus was baptized in water. He's doing that to obey the Father. He's doing that to place the Father's seal of approval on John the Baptist's ministry. But most importantly, he's doing it to relate and represent you and I. Because he came to identify with us. When he stepped out, left home, and began to pursue the Father, starting here. From here, he's going to be tempted and tested. But ultimately, he's going to Calvary for you and for me. It was a moment of decision, a moment of identification. It was a moment of approval, and it was a moment of equipping. And the Bible says, and the Spirit came upon. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in that moment. Up until that time, he never did a miracle. Up until that time, he never cast out a demon. And now you're going to begin to see as the Spirit comes upon him. Because Jesus lived this life as, as the human, you see. And so he had to do it through the anointing. He had to do it through the Spirit of God. You know, the same Holy Spirit falls on us, fills us, comes and dwells within us. When we make that decision and we get saved. Let's look at a couple of verses here and we can wind this up. But very simply, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. When we sincerely come to Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. Look at Galatians 2 and 20. Look at Galatians 2 and 20. One of our favorite verses gives us great confidence and strength to live this life. I don't have to live it through my own human strength. It's not just my human willpower. Amen. How did Paul say, I have been crucified with Christ? Again, they were talking, a lot of language in the Bible were identifying. You know, Paul never, didn't get nailed to a cross. He's talking figuratively. I identified with Christ. When I got saved, that old Joe went to the cross. I try to keep him there, amen? I've been crucified with Christ. You know what? I no longer live. That old Joe doesn't live any longer. But Christ lives in me. You can say right now, Christ lives in me. Not, not someday. This is not a heavenly thing. This is a right now thing. This is how we live this life. 
This is how we overcome the enemy. This is how we, we live here in an impure world. Not because we've got great strength of our own and we're going to will it out, but the Spirit of God came within us to give us strength to live it, to give us wisdom to walk in. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in this body, this old temple here, the I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. No longer have I live it, but Christ, Christ lives in you. Christ lives through you. That's why you can be confident. You can endure that storm. You can overcome that challenge. You can fulfill that destiny, whatever it is. Why? Because it's not our, our strength, it's his. And we see that in the life of Jesus. What do the Lord say? Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Amen. Next week, I want you to notice something now. Next week, as we continue in Mark, oh, what a thought, what a thought. Mark, that first chapter. You know, it's amazing. I don't know about you, but I usually think when I get the approval, something good's going to come next. Well, he got the approval, and the next thing that happened was he gets sent out to the wilderness to be tested. Yeah, I, think I wrote a little note here for next week. Uh, so, so you want to be led of the Spirit. That was kind of like, you know, because next week it tells us here after the Father says, you're my son in whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. Next verse, at once, immediately, the Spirit drove him into the desert to be tested and tempted of the devil. Whew. The Spirit sent him. You know, sometimes, sometimes we ask for the leading of the Spirit till we get the leading of the Spirit. Amen? And sometimes we don't like the way he leads. Now, you don't want to say that too loud in church, but you, you know, you got to be honest too, don't you? He was leading them. He has purpose. And there's a process. So we're going to look at that next time. How the Spirit, this same Spirit that come upon him to empower him for his mission is first going to lead him to a place of proving and pruning and preparing. And he does that with us sometimes, doesn't he? We don't like that too much, though, do we? Isn't that right? You know, when we go through a, a problem, I was like, hey, Lord, you know, we want to hit the fast-forward button on life. Get me through this. Get me through quickly, quickly, pain-free, easily. But God said, oh, sometimes I'm going to lead you where I can do a little I'm polishing on you. Amen? I'm going to lead you where I can do a little sifting on you. But when you come out the other end, when Jesus comes out the other end, you'll see it. Luke brings it out. He's in a greater anointing of the Spirit than he had at his baptism. Because promotion comes through the testing. When you allow God to lead you in those places of preparation, when you come out the other side faithful, you come out with a stronger faith. You come out with a stronger measure of God's spirit. Oh, it's exciting. We're studying the life of Jesus. We're just taking our time and looking at Mark's gospel. Tonight we found out he obeyed the Father. Make that decision. Not just to be a Christian, but to be a sold-out Christian. To be a wholehearted Christian. Amen? To give God your best because he gave us his best. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the privilege of serving you. We thank you for the great salvation you've given us through your Son.
We thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross and took our place, that you endured our punishment, you endured our, our shame, that we can enjoy your salvation and your redemption. Lord, help us to live this life in a manner that pleases and honors you. Use us and guide us. For your glory we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said...